This is a podcast by the Business Times. The Singapore FinTech Festival is into its fifth edition, and this year's festival will highlight that innovation is not limited by physical borders. The round-the-clock event can now be accessed virtually to participants around the world. And with its 24/7 offering this year, it has also attracted luminaries to speak, including Bill Gates and Sundar Pichai. In this special podcast edition by the Business Times, we are here with Ravi Menon, Managing Director of the Monetary Authority of Singapore, to discuss topics that would define this annual highlight on Singapore's calendar. Thank you for joining us this year again, Mr. Menon, and we hope you've kept safe and well. Yes, good to see you again, JB. Let's turn specifically to the topic of fintech. Obviously, that's what the Fin Festival is about. How does the fintech trends show this resilience amid COVID nineteen? Quite well, actually. When pandemic first hit, I think most of us expected small and medium enterprises to do worse. Startups would be starved of capital and financing, and no business. So we were deeply worried because this was a fintech ecosystem that we painstakingly built up over five years, from less than 50 firms to more than a thousand fintech firms. Now we were pleasantly surprised at their resilience, and we launched what we call the Green Shoot series, regular webinars and platforms and events where people connected, shared experiences, networked, made business, and fintechs were able to survive, continuing to provide their services. Again, what we did not expect, paradoxically, because of the nature of the restrictions, digital platforms, digital solutions have taken off in a big way, which meant a lot of business for fintechs to provide these at very short notice. And the best is the investment numbers. Today, for the first ten months of the year, it has attracted 1.2 billion dollars of investments into the fintech sector. This is 30 percent more than last year, and that's something we wouldn't have expected at all in April or May. So you found sort of resilience and opportunity amid adversity in these times. There was a employment outlook survey that was just put out this week, and I think you spoke about it just yesterday. It showed that financial institutions here plan to offer a thousand eight hundred newly created jobs through to July twenty twenty one. The point was made too that tech related jobs make up about half of these new jobs. So there was a call for financial institutions to not be complacent, despite the relatively better performance of the financial sector. So, with demand for technology skills in the financial sector here to stay, and certainly speaks to the fintech trend, how should the sector keep ahead both for staff and companies? Yes, it is actually good to know that there are so many vacancies in the tech space. If anything, what the financial sector has shown is that technology creates jobs. You know, every time we read about how technology is threatening jobs, but the evidence is to the contrary. More than half the jobs that are going to be offered. Are in the technology space, and just to step back, the last five years, where the financial sector created 3,600 net jobs, we wouldn't have expected that we could have beaten the target of 3,000. And most of those jobs, a good part of those jobs, were in technology. So technology creates demand for jobs. I think there's no question about it. The bigger challenge is actually the supply. Can we have enough people trained to do these jobs? These are good jobs, well-paying jobs, highly demanded. And the more we can build up our pipeline of talent and skills, we can seize those jobs. And so that's what we're very focused on. We're in a very fortunate situation. We are not in the situation of other countries where there's a shortage of jobs. Here we have jobs. Our challenge is to train people to take those jobs. And you mentioned, of course, that the mid-career professionals, in particular, are those that financial institutions should take a calculated chance on. Maybe you could speak a little bit more about that as well. You know, how should banks or other financial institutions be ready to take on these individuals that are out there looking for a new experience, an opportunity to move into a new sector? 
Yes, this is where we need to, in some ways, change our mindsets. I think many employers, and I fully understand, we like to employ people who can hit the road running, who are fully skilled and trained and experienced for the roles. Now, if every one of us does that, that's going to leave many of these mid-careers in the lurch. Now, these are good people. They have strong experience in the financial sector or sometimes other sectors. And they have good work attitudes. They're senior, they're intelligent, are hardworking. They just don't have certain specific digital skills or technological skills. And it's a lot better to take good people like that, experienced people, mature individuals, and train them. It may take a bit longer to get them up to speed, but I think the long-term payoff is much better. And that's what we're working with the financial institutions on. And more financial institutions are coming around to that view that rather than get ready-made tech talent, why don't we make tech talent out of our existing talent, whom we know, who have contributed well, and we know are up to the task. And in fact, the theme yesterday was to grow your own timber, right? Was to make sure that Singaporeans are able to rise up to this challenge. It also brings to the point about the balance with the foreign talent. And of course, given that the supply remains limited while the demand is rising, how should perhaps banks better integrate the interactions between foreign talent and locals, particularly in this area, to really ensure that the timber grows? Yes, which is why we are now taking a much more detailed look at the kinds of technology jobs. There are tech jobs which Singaporeans can fill without too much difficulty and too much extra training. They may not pay as well, but if we can get them to reset their expectations, take the plunge into some of these lower tech jobs, and then learn on the job and rise to take on the intermediate and advanced tech jobs, that's a good way. Then for the higher-end jobs, now there we do have a shortage. It's not very easy to build that pipeline very quickly. So we do need a complement of locals and foreigns in these jobs. And we need to bring in top-notch foreign tech talents to drive digitalization and innovation. But as they come in, we want to make sure that they work in units that over time that there is a localization strategy. So MAS talks to the financial institutions and tells them, look, we want to keep the place open to foreign talent and tech talent in particular. But in order for that to be sustainable, we need to make sure there's capability transfer and there is a gradual localization of those units over time, that the percentage of Singaporeans starts rising in those areas. Of course, then there'll be other new areas where you'll still need foreigners, and we have to just accept that. We'll be selling ourselves short if we don't take the best talents the world has to offer in as many of these technology areas. The question we should ask ourselves is how can we train more Singaporeans over time to take on some of these jobs? Is there a timeline that has to be put in place so that financial institutions are better nudged into having that better mix? Well, it's hard to generalize across different areas. And so these are bespoke conversations we have with the financial institutions, especially if MAS is giving a grant for some R&D or related field. Then we have a bit more uh, leverage to set some conditions, say over three years, we want to see the percentage rise from X percent to Y percent. Or over five years, we want to see that percentage rise to so much. And that's all something that we discuss bilaterally with the financial institutions. In more general cases where, you know, we're not giving a grant and they're bringing in these workers, then we go through the profile of the uh, workforce in those business units and say that, well, what are your plans? Tell us your plans for localization. It's not for us to impose. Tell us what is realistic, what you can do. When put the question that way, many of them do step up because they also see the value of localization. When they set their own pace, there is better buy-in and there's better comfort. And they know their business, how fast they can move or maybe some areas will move more slowly. 
We've been speaking with Mr. Robbie Mannon, Managing Director of the MES. The Business Times will put out its annual Singapore Fintech Festival special in support of this upcoming event. The Singapore Fintech Festival runs this year from December 7th to December 11th. This has been the Business Times Banking and Finance Editor, Jamie. Thanks for listening in and we'll see you at the festival. That was an SBH podcast by The Business Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3. Any financial or investment information in this podcast is for use in Singapore only and is intended to be for your general information. Any particular investment or decision should only be made after consulting with a fully qualified financial advisor.